there. How are you? I'm Eve Sturgis, host of this podcast called Everything's Relative. I sit here every week to talk with people who have been affected by modern DNA testing. Often, it is because people think that tracing their ancestry sounds super fun, but then the results tell them lots of things that are not fun, or at the very least, confusing. Welcome to the MPE community. That stands for Misattributed Parentage Experience. That's a mouthful, and that's why we abbreviate it to MPE. And sometimes we also say N as in Nancy PE, and then everyone is totally confused about whether we're using M's or N's. And to make things easy on everyone today, let's just say they both are correct. How is everyone doing? Uh, It's been a heavy couple months. Seems like life is hard with tragedy and stress these days in various ways. Although maybe by the time this episode airs, things will feel a little bit less hard. I sure hope so. I hope no matter what, you're all taking care of yourselves out there. Here's something I was thinking about. Was there ever a time in history when people said, these times are very normal and everything is going exactly as it should be? Because I feel like we or people, everyone is saying we're living in strange times a lot lately. Have we always said that? Is that a part of being human on this earth? One part of being human on this earth here in America is celebrating Father's Day. (laughs) How was that amazing transition? Uh, If I have played my cards right, this weekend of this episode is Father's Day. As you can imagine, Father's Day brings up lots of thoughts and feelings within the MPE community. All MPE stories are different, but the most common denominator is that people find out their dad isn't their dad. And let me tell you, that is a very wild experience, my friends. It happened to me. It might have happened to you or someone you love. This weekend can be a lot. So please be good to yourself no matter what. Let yourself chuckle at those terrible necktie Hallmark cards or roll your eyes at the golf jokes or cry, whatever it is you need. Best friends, Meryl and Cully, bonded over having very similar dads. Then they bonded when they both found out they were part of MPE families. And not only that, but they both found out through sibling connections. So see if you're following here. They both grew up with their biological dads but they were contacted by adult siblings they never knew about and their dads may or may not have ever known about. I said from the beginning that I wanted to get everyone's perspective. And so I was so grateful when Meryl came to me with the story because she wants to talk about what it's like to be contacted from the other side. When an NPE reaches out and says, hey, your dad you grew up with is my dad too. Siblings are having as much of an experience as the NPE, but from a different place. And I think it's important to talk about it. So that's what we did recently. Coley is sitting outside somewhere in Los Angeles and you can hear birds chirping. Meryl is sitting in Brooklyn and you can hear the subway racing by. Just kidding. You can't really hear the subway. Uh, Let's just go ahead and roll it. Okay. (laughs) But hey, let me talk to you about something else really quick first. Did you know that I consider myself a casual vegetarian? Yeah. When I'm not making this podcast, I'm also not eating meat. Whether you're a vegetarian or not, you may have discovered non-dairy creamers, and I love oat milk. So I'm going to tell you real quick about Willa's Kitchen. 
Willis was founded by two sisters who were tired of plant-based milks that were mostly made of artificial, highly processed ingredients and loads of sugar, rather than actual plants. Plus, their grandmother Willa's recipe used real organic ingredients to create a deliciously smooth oat milk, and they thought, why not bring hers to the world instead? As they started on their entrepreneurial journey, they kept learning more and more about the way plant-based milks are normally made. Heavy processing, loads of food waste, and lots of funny business, including ingredients like rapeseed and canola oil that they didn't want to be drinking or feeding their kids every day. The biggest shocker they found was that oat milk is typically made with the oat sugar, and the best part of the oats are filtered out. This resulted in oat milk with a super sweet taste without all the benefits of the oats. Willa's is made with the entire oat, which gives it a rich, smooth taste and maintains all the oats, protein, and prebiotic fiber, which makes Willa's zero food waste. It's not just a healthier, more sustainable milk. It's super tasty. And I can tell you, listeners, they sent me a box, and I'm loving it. Willa's has been highlighted in Bon Appetit not once, but three times. Find Willa's Oat Milk at willaskitchen.com. That's W-I-L-L-A-S-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com or on Amazon. If you use the promo code Everything's Relative, you get 20% off and you'll be supporting this podcast. That's promo code Everything's Relative to get 20% off. Okay, thanks. Back to the show. You guys are here because you both ha- you both are coming from the perspective of having siblings reach out to you based on your parent. Wait, maybe you should maybe I should shut up. Meryl, you tell me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um so my 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 story is um two two surprise siblings um coming forward at different times. Um, one was known and buried a secret that was buried that came forward, um, right as like, it was a domino effect of, he reached out to my dad. Yeah. So my father is responsible. Um, and by the way, I prepped for today by listening to Papa was a rolling stone just to get in my mindset, you know, little (laughs) temptations to get it rolling. Um, called my dad said, I'd like to meet you or no, rather his mother called my father to say, I'd like to, he wants to finally meet you. My dad fell, hit his head on the stone floors of his home. And that trickled that like rolled out the rest of his health issues that plagued him for like the rest of his life, which was probably seven years. So he passed away in 2019. Um, the Storming of the Capitol uh, day is when um, I, for some reason, was motivated to look at Facebook and I keep a very, very soft focus on Facebook. And someone had friended me. I didn't recognize the name, saw they were from my hometown and didn't think anything of it and just bypassed it. And my sister had texted me to say that this woman had reached out to her saying that she knew our father. So then I went back and looked again and looked at her and I was like, okay, let's get real. She's not reaching out to say that our father was a men- a great mentor or of anything of the sort. And so my sister, who's six years older than me, um, she's you know full, fully my sister, um, was a, was opt- holding on to optimism. And I was like, no way. I knew it. When there was one, there's gonna be two. So that's that's me in a nutshell. 
Okay. Um, Kali has similarities, but extreme differences as well. So Kali, okay. take it away. Amazing. Well, sure. And, but I'll just add that the, the kind of, um, the, I think the, the interesting thing and maybe why Meryl and I are here together is this unbelievable symmetry. Like Meryl and I have been friends for like bestie besties, lived in multiple cities together, been, you know, on, you know, myriad of, uh, of artistic projects and just best friends for 25 plus years now. Yes. Both of us having these sort of uh, very flawed um, al <laughs> alpha men as our fathers yes. And, yes. and who play this kind of significant role in our life. Yes. And all of this. So so the the uh, you know, my father was like this just incredible, like super alpha guy until he wasn't. And then everything fell apart super quick. Same with Merrill's dad. Yep. And the and then this discovery, DNA discovery of hidden siblings happened and their the our father's respective deaths and the discovery of the siblings all happened within like a, a year like it happened for both of us basically at the same time right we've been kind of processing and grappling all of this stuff together and so like the the the, the compare and contrast of the the experience has been like wild because yes that this is happening to, to both of us at the same time but it's also been a great you know source of like it's been as as hard and as much as there is to sort through like we've been able to to sort through it together so yes um, that's amazing i didn't realize i mean i i'm i feel like meryl probably like mentioned something along those mm -hmm. lines like we have parallel stories but i i can't imagine having being a person go, going through this kind of experience and saying like you're never gonna believe what happened and then the other person <laughs> is like actually, actually? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> i yeah. can tell you exactly that i know how like how that feels yeah right. um, and, and and it's that mix of because i was the first to find i was the, the <laughs> i got the first taste of it and no one was surprised i mean you know and i was like hey look turns out i have a brother um no one was surprised and and so then when calls like guess what <laughs> i wasn't surprised either yeah. you know? yeah. um but but still there's that there's that mix of Yes, I can say I wasn't surprised when I can look at it all, you know, like really seeing my darling father for who he was. Um, but at the same time, there is still that shock of what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, I think that even if even if you have evidence or like information that 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 tracks that makes it mm -hmm. all logical, mm -hmm. we're not raised in that paradigm there's no framework for growing up with like you might have siblings or like they might like there's no way to not be surprised i don't know how to say what i'm trying to say like there's no so even if you were like yes we might have siblings even if you did kind of it's i still just don't think our brain like we're just not we're not open to those kind those dynamics yeah and we certainly don't understand what to do with them yeah <laughs> you know, right with, so with therefore the, the yeah therefore and, and 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 with that is um we were both put in positions where um we we didn't get answers right um, right and so you know when my when my father's when the health started to tank um his um he was somewhere in the middle of like that, that island that's in the middle of dementia and um, aphasia. So mm. speech was just gone. Like it was just not there. While someone could say that's convenient, um, you know, given because a lot of people are looking at him 
with a lot of questions. Sure. Um, I hadn't thought to feel <laughs> that cynical, but <laughs> so um, at the same time, um, it it's incredibly heartbreaking for said half brother to wait um, his adult till his mid adult life to want to be curious about who his biological father is and to reach out. And when he does reach out, this is who he meets mm-hmm. is incredibly heartbreaking. Um, they seem to find their way in the seven year window that they had, but no one really still has answers. And, um, and so that's another thing that like Colin, and I could spend hours on speculating and put and piecing together timelines and things and to see what makes sense. Right. So Cully, we know Meryl's um, synopsis. What, so give me yours. Uh, all right. So to, to do this, I just have to kind of give the, the brief kind of like uh, family history, uh, because it kind of starts with, um, I don't know, well, here to, before, I still don't know, like, as Meryl's saying, like, you know, we, we sit here trying to play detective and piece together from what I know now. But even that is hard. But before this, I knew nothing. My, my, the, the history of my dad's side of the family beyond him was a complete mystery. Like he literally was a rolling stone. This much I knew like, and it, so it started with uh, when he was 13, uh, his, my grandmother, his mother committed suicide. Uh, and his, his father was, I guess, I mean, I don't know, he's very mysterious, but was in prison, was a very bad man. And, and he didn't know him at all. Remembers going to visit him in prison. But so when, so when his mother died, he and his younger sister, um, both were kind of hurtled into this, like, um, foster homes, extended family, a lot of abuse, but like he, he never talked about it. It was just, you know, he made allusions to it, um, his troubled childhood, but I think he never could deal with it. He was always running from it literally and metaphorically. So, and then he got drafted for Vietnam, uh, and then just took off and went on the run and ran basically basically his whole life. Uh, but so the story picks up, he landed in upstate New York where he met, met my mom and they had me in short order. Uh, and so then I kind of know his story from there, but nothing before. The DNA story starts uh, as he's, so he's also in this kind of in-between phase. He had, he had, his, his issue was around uh, heart stuff. He had a, a, a stroke, at least one stroke. Uh, which kind of really crippled him. He was a, a guitar teacher and he couldn't really teach guitar anymore. He didn't have any money. And it was, it was a really grisly last few couple of years of his, mm-hmm. of his, of his life. Uh, and during that time he's getting sicker. And my half sister, who's who I know, this is, I've known her since I was little, but she's a half sister, his, his daughter. Uh, and this is, you know, as uh, also similar to Merrill, all this comes out of this like 60s, 70s, like mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. man. Like <laughs> this was he, he and, hey. he and, he and people were partying. He, he and my mom were already married, but had my half sister a couple years later with another woman, you, you know, and they were all living together you know, at this time. It was so, a key party. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and, Fondue. Uh, yeah. And, it was all happening. Uh, probably not keys. Cause they, they were like, uh, yeah. Anyway, Open door but, policy. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so, so she and I, my, my sister and I, we, um, we were kind of estranged when we were together, when we were real little 
and then we were estranged for most of our childhoods into our early adulthood. Um, and then just kind of circumstance kind of brought us back together as adults. And then we became super tight and we have, we've been super tight. But she has uh, a daughter who's uh, mi mixed race and, and uh, very like they have no idea what uh, the ethnicity was. So they did a, a, a 23andMe to just find out, you know, just out of curiosity about her daughter's uh, ethnicity and uh, but didn't mark their profile, you know, private or whatever. And Why would you? you don't think about these things <laughs> and uh sure enough she got contacted by by our cousin who is the daughter of my dad's sister so the sister also obviously through the trauma of their childhood she um and i knew this because my dad had this kind of like a couple weird conversations telephone calls from his sister in distress out in California when we were kids, mm. but he didn't want to deal with it. And so he just never dealt with her. And she apparently she she died. She lasted long enough that she didn't die really early, but she died definitely of alcoholism and liver failure sometime in the early 2000s. And so her her daughter had was like on this mission to try to find out anything about the family that she didn't know either, you know, because nobody knew and mm -hmm. her mom didn't tell her anything either. So she found my sis, my niece's in my sister's name, DNA uh, profile and right. reached out and was like, Oh my God, do you know, Ron Johnson, our dad? And she was like, uh, yeah, that's my dad. My dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, um, so, so, and this, they live close to each other. She's my sister's in Boston and, um, c cousin was in, uh, Connecticut. So they, they met, met up and like met each other and were really like, you know, formed a relationship. So, because I'm sorry to clarify the cousin, she's your cousin yeah. wanted to know more about her family. Yeah. So when she said, do you know this man and your half sister could say like, yeah, that's actually my dad. She could say like, that was not a part of any sort of like rumbling shock in it was like, great. I want to know about my uncle and his family. Okay. Got it. Sorry. That's right. just for me. Maybe yeah. that was just, maybe everyone yeah. else was following that. Totally fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, cut to this was, uh, so this was like uh, uh, about five years ago. And uh, just as my, my things really started to go South for my dad. And, and then uh in September, I think of 2017, uh, I was going to go down to Florida. My half sister who I've known uh, was also going to come down with me because we were going to kind of take care of him through, he was gonna get a uh, bypass surgery. He needed like quintuple bypass or something. So we were going down there to take care of him. And the, our cousin uh, found out that we were going down and was like, oh my God, you have to make him take a DNA test. So she, she bought the kit. I totally forgot. <laughs> sent it with Aurora <laughs> down to uh, down to Florida, Jacksonville, oh. Florida, where where he was supposed to have this surgery. Only he didn't have the surgery because I the day that I showed up, to, but you know, which was the day before his surgery, um, I found him on the floor of his apartment, uh, kind of like stroking out or something with oh. like a new series of strokes, and um, had to call you know an ambulance. And mm -hmm. and so we we spent the week that he was supposed to be getting surgery in uh you know icu uh and he's recovering and he's barely kind of sentient but he kind of came to and was able to we were able to kind of talk with him and at the end of this week 
I was like, okay, dad, he could barely talk. Yeah. Can you spit in this? <laughs> and he's trying to spit into it, but he can barely have oh. motor, motor function. And I'm like, no, you got, you got to spit a little more pop, you know? What a champ. Oh man. So we, I capped that and we sent it off and then I had his profile. And then from that test, uh, I got a thing saying this person, uh, you know, it's his profile. It was like, this person is, you know, 99% your, uh, your parent or child, you know, cause they do it. Right. They just know the, the DNA relationship. So, uh, so I reached out to this person who, uh, turns out to be my brother. Okay. And the way that we established that, like, first he was very wary. Um, mm-hmm. he had done a DNA test, not necessarily to find, he, he didn't know who his birth father was at all. His okay. birth mother never told him and never had any relationship with my father, but he knew that he he was adopted. He was wary of any kind of connection. And we had some back and forth. I found his Facebook, you know, and, and, uh, oh no, this is before I found his Facebook, but we had some, uh, on the, uh, chat in the, uh, 23 in the year, whatever. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the other one? Ancestry. Uh, ancestry. Yeah. And he, um, you know, I said, okay, let me ask you this. He wasn't sure. And I was like, do you have blue eyes? he said, why do you ask? And I said, because it's, it was our father's, he has his, you know, strongest genetic trait. It was passed down to me and it was passed down to my half sister. We all have these blue eyes. And he's like, Mm -hmm. oh my, oh my God. Yes. And so does my daughter. And uh, he was like, Facebook me. And so we Mm -hmm. (laughs) Facebooked him. Photo time. For the record, anybody who is listening and you cannot see Clay right now, he does have fantastic blue eyes. I can see them through the zoom. It's true. It's true. They're legendary. They're sparkling. It's the California sunshine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, so, um, so I looked at his pictures and, you know, it was like, no question. Uh, and more than it, like I, I showed him to Merrill, I showed him to my wife and we were like, oh my God, he looks just like our dad, like way more than I do. Uh, like he Which got, is saying something. He like, got mm-hmm. all of the features. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we struck up a fast, relationship he was down here in la on uh, just traveling with his wife and we met each other and it was like uh, oh my god this is amazing the the thing being that he's never met our dad in his life and acts just like him wow i mean all these like crazy behavioral things that are like it's not just the yes. eyes it's like his the way he tells a story or the way you know the way he his hands the way he uses his hands and and like his all this stuff is like it's like exactly our dad which but is didn't wild. you didn't you do some didn't you piece together a timeline of when when Mike was probably like, he probably was surfing in the same ocean water w- that your father was surfing in. Yeah. They may have been surfing the same breaks at some point in North yeah. Florida during a, which is like yeah. crazy. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. whoa. And probably like stood on the surfboard mm-hmm. with the exact same bear stance, like craziness. Yeah, right. Bears craziness. of men. Um, yes. So, so, uh, so that turned out great. I mean, it was great. Uh, love my brother and, uh, but then not even six months, my dad is still alive at this point, but he was in a uh, nursing home and uh, uh, just, you know, could barely talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Stace, the cu- our cousin, got contacted somehow. I can't even actually remember the exact how it happened on the DNA sites, but a sister came out of the woodwork. 
uh, who my half sister, another half, another of my Got father's it. children, who this is where it gets fun because she's uh, three months older than I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and and this is where it's like, so I, I called my my mom uh, with the, you know, surprising news. Hey, guess what, mom? There's another one, you know, ha ha ha. We uh, could, ha, we ha, could. ha. And she's and I said, her name is Winima. That's her name. And uh, she said, oh, Winima, uh, hold on one second. <laughs> and she went off and get, to get something and came back with, uh, you know, they were all hippies. That's a, all this stuff mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. in hippie days. And, and she came back with uh, Winima's. She had done her astrological birth chart as a baby. And I was like, what do you what do you mean? Your mom yeah. did her. OK, <laughs> she has yeah. mine my secret sister Winima and our other half sister. Those are the only charts she still has. And she has Winima's. And I was like, what do you mean? How do you, you've never even told me hey, that wait, you time out. How many times has your mother moved since making these charts? I know she, she has a whole new charts. life. She can like, not only does she have these charts, but she can immediately access them. Okay. Continue. <laughs> yeah, continue. She knows right where they are. Yeah. And so I was like, mom, you know, what, what do you mean? You know, she's like, oh yeah, we met when you were a baby. We, we drove out to California, which I remember telling the story about them driving out to California. I didn't know why, but it was to meet my dad's previous girlfriend and the, the women, Winima. And so <laughs> the daughter, uh, the, daughter the daughter sister. And so my mom knew, so this was kind of, this was a, uh, not a betrayal, but my mom mm-hmm. and I have a very trusting relationship, but this was like, you know, three years ago and went, went through my whole life. Not, she never told me. So, um, but there it is. So that's the, that's the nutshell DNA story. And from that, we kind of were able to piece together this timeline of my dad's rolling stone <laughs> through, uh, because he said, you know, the, the few things I knew, he said that he went up to the Pacific Northwest to log. That's what a lot of guys did when they evaded the draft. They would go up and earn some scratch and disappear for a while mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. in Oregon and Washington. They do trimming um, now. but mm-hmm. <laughs> So exactly. And so now so he uh, so and that and this traces because 1968 was when he would have been up there. And that's when he had this looks like kind of one night stand or something like that with my brother Mike's mom. And then he went east, which we know, and then he landed in New York City, where he impregnated Winima's mom. Uh, and then shortly after that, must have broken up, like really shortly after that, must have broken up with her and gone upstate where he met my mom. And they got married for a number of years uh, and had me. So, so we were able to, I was able to kind of piece together a sort of timeline for my dad that I, I never knew. And then since then have kind of met a few more family people that have come out of the woodwork to kind of uh, start piecing together. I'm still working on the childhood aspect and what happened back there with his mom and stuff like that. Um, but uh, just as uh, this is where, you know, uh, another symmetry with Merrill's situation is like all of this happened as uh, both Mike and Winima, my brother and sister were discovered as my dad was, um, you know, de- in this declining, de- declining, mm-hmm. in which he, he couldn't even really understand what was going on and, and certainly couldn't, you know, speak to it or respond to it or meet them. You know, hmm. Mike didn't, Mike didn't care. He didn't want to, he doesn't, you know, we, 
uh, he was like, do you want to, he was still alive at this point. I was like, do you want to fly down and meet him? He said, no. Winema mm-hmm. was, Winema knew about him, knew who he was, knew his name, but didn't, uh, she was, she felt uncomfortable. And then she was kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to. And then he died. Yeah. Um, so, so she came to his memorial, which was the first time that I met her and my mom was there and, and, and my half sister that I've known all my life. So it was this wonderful kind of family meetup. And since then we've had these sibling number of sibling get togethers and it's been like uh magic we're all kind of similar people go go figure mm-hmm. well there, mm-hmm. i mean yeah you can you can feel the magic like just shooting out of any picture of all of them together and you know with just their bright open faces and you know like open open artsy fully formed people <laughs> so which, which my, has been hard in talking about this with Meryl because like her experience has been diametrically opposed in terms of her <laughs> so to so, yeah. so to, to rewind um just on my dad's quick timeline um to my knowledge everything has been contained to Pittsburgh um all of it you know what he was up to uh, however you know he so my my folks um split my my mom my dad divorced when i was one or two you know like i think it was finalized by the time i was two so um what we're looking at 70 like 75 76 is when they were they were cleaned up and and done and um he met my stepmother shortly thereafter but they had a very tumultuous on again off again for quite some time And he also um, figured out like the, Hey, being in, in Florida during the winters is great. So he would go down to Florida often and um, he was double barred and he was very proud of that. So he could get himself and his friends out of trouble and possibly practice any other sort of law when he's down Florida. So my theory is (laughs) there have to be Florida kids out there, but I'm not in a rush to find out. Coley, did you say that? Mike was from, or your dad was in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Mike dad was, in, was in Jacksonville. Now would be a good time for me to tell you guys that my biological father is from Florida. See, Florida. Something Florida. Here, Something's in the water. Florida man. Pardon this interruption. You know something I've been thinking about a lot over here at Everything's Relative podcast? Sex. So let's talk about setting the mood. That's right. The mood. You know, when you want to get intimate, or perhaps after you've gotten intimate, be it by yourself or with a partner, there is something you need to have on your nightstand. Mod. Mod is redefining what sexual wellness and modern intimacy looks like. They are creating a whole new chapter in the outdated sexual wellness industry. Mod makes modern, body safe, and high quality essentials for before, during, and after sex. They have a whole variety of products like vibrators, lubricants, and condoms. Their products are absolutely beautiful with a lot of attention paid to design, sustainability, and simplicity. Basically, if sexual wellness has a name, it would be Mod. Honestly, these are products you want to be seen in your bedroom instead of hiding them. And I don't know if you guys know how ad partnerships work with podcasts, but they sent me some products and let's just say everyone here at Everything's Relative, everyone is satisfied. One of the coolest things about Mod is that it is a female-led Latinx-founded company. Their founder, Ava, created Mod for all bodies, all genders, all races. Dakota Johnson just joined Mod as their co-creative director. Hello. And guess what? 
you, listeners of Everything's Relative podcast, are getting a treat from Maud. As our partner, Maud is giving $5 off your first order on all products with the code Everything's Relative. Head over to getmod.com forward slash Everything's Relative. That's getmaude.com and use Everything's Relative to get $5 off your first order. Enjoy the mood setting. So the, fr- the first the first half sibling that I found out about was in the time he, he's younger than both of them are younger than me um, and subsequently younger than my sister because she's six years older. But uh, um, the first one who came forward, uh, that was in the timeline between my um, stepmother and my dad. And I think that was right in an off point. Uh, and it's my understanding that his mom and my dad wanted to keep their respective situations. And so some sort of agreement was made and they carried on. Um, so that is probably right around when my dad and stepmother, you know, got engaged and, and, and got married and they stayed married till his death. Um, the new one who has come forward was in that slim window between my parents' divorce and him meeting and my father meeting my stepmother. So I guess this was a one-off with her mother and she meaning new half sister has lived her life believing her father to be her father, her biological father. So this was a complete shock to the system. So I complete, like, I can't, I cannot imagine that. So she um, is what we call an MPE. Yes. Okay. So yes. she's the MPE. What, what is MPE? non-paternal event or non-parental experience and it's when uh it's a genealogical term and uh it just it means that one or both of your parents that you believed were uh, are not biologically related to you it's like the word for the for the realization it's a controversial it's not really controversial it's controversial grammatically because we don't know if you are an npe or if you have an npe or if you so she's the npe like makes the most sense to people for the podcast yeah. maybe maybe she's npeing yeah npeing it's a verb it could be a verb she mped she's she's presenting npe yeah um, exactly so okay I, so she, okay yeah so, so she so she's been handed a super shock right um which again, uh, and, and, and it, and it's not like she was a redheaded stepchild. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her, the, her, I guess we'll call her, her dad, her birth certificate, her. her birth certificate father is called a, yes. B- a BCF. Yes. The BCF is also Eastern European. So, so there, yeah. So it wasn't, it, she was not a redheaded stepchild, um, now getting answers. Um, and she, she is one of those, you know, wonderful people who take these kids out of just once uh, much like, um, Cully's niece, just like, I want to know my background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, here's a surprise. Yeah. Um, and I guess her mother tried to deny it for a good bit. Sure. And then finally, very common. Yep. Yep. And, and then came forward. Um, but, uh, things quick, like, she was quickly on the express train of, of let's be sisters and doing a lot of side-by-side comparison uh, photos of the two of us and things. Um, 
and I'm riding the local train on it, you know, I'm, and I really encourage, I've, you know, encouraged her to speak to a professional or, or get, get deeper support. I was like, I think you need to have deeper conversations with your mom. Like there, there are things here that you're looking to me to help with. And I don't, this is out of my realm here. Um, but again, I, I, you know, the, I, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not in her shoes. I can't imagine that shock. So, um, but we've not, we haven't had these get togethers or anything with, with her. Um, the two new half siblings have gotten together and they do share a lot of similarities in the sense of they, you know, everybody's in Pittsburgh. Um, they, you know, married with children. Um, so they, they might be on the same, um, same side of, of politics. And did they um, both you know, grow up not knowing your dad? Correct. So they're both your half siblings. You knew mm-hmm. that you grew up with him. Yes. They both have this, have the commonality of yes. not knowing him. Yes. But being related. So they have, that's a bit, that's a big one. I think mm-hmm. that's probably. And the they, one. they've all hit it off. Like their, their respective spouses have hit off, which I think is great. I'm in full support of them all hanging out. Um, Am I jumping in a car and running back to Pittsburgh? No, not yet. Uh, <laughs> I have been, I've been part of, I, or I've had, I've shared holidays with, um, or, you know, some holiday time with the brother um, and his family. And, you know, at first he was really excited about having sisters because he has um, half brothers from other relationships that his mother's had. Um, but the focus, his primary goal and focus was really to get to know our dad. And I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, and now that he's passed, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, it would probably be a little more, it would be easier if we all lived in the, in the same place. My sister's in Oregon, you know, I'm, I'm here in New York. So, um, but to go through my father's funeral and everything with, with him there and his family, and they had just had one baby. So there was so much emphasis put on the baby, which was, that was challenging of this mm-hmm. is John's grandson, John's grandson. I'm like, well, in theory, yes, it is. But like my father never, it was never a goal of his to be pappy, you know? Um, and so many of his, like, oh, they life- came, sorry, just, they mm-hmm. came, they came to your dad's funeral mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a new baby and introduced the baby to people as the grandson. And so that became a big focus. Yeah. 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 I can see that being really hard. It was, it was challenging. And I think, you know, also the, and they, and, and they themselves are put in a, he and his wife are put in a, in an awkward situation because lifelong friends of my father or sure. family members of my stepmother, everybody, you know, people are looking around like, who is this? And it is just like with, Cully in the sense of Mike, how similar Mike looks to Cully's dad. My half brother looks, yeah, there's, it's, it is shocking to, to look at him and then, you know, turn to a casket or look at a photo, you know, and, and see my dad. Um, so a lot of people are looking at me like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, just, I'm like, just come over here. I'll explain it mm-hmm. really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I mean, but it was, it was, uh, it, yeah. So it was a, a, a good, a good circus, the, the viewing days and the funeral, but also the like feeling 
that feeling of being erased slowly, you know, with, well, here are the new people. Here's the, here are the newer generation. They, they had, you know, they've had spawn and it's like, well, yeah, all true. Um, hi, I've been carrying the water you know, for 47 yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, that's just what I was thinking about so much was that you, it's so great to actually hear, hear you talk out. We all know, we all kind of know these concepts obviously, but like mm-hmm. to hear you talk about it out loud and remind me or, and, and remind listeners that the, the people that grew up with these people, mm-hmm. the, the, the children of these men or the children, sometimes women, but children of these men, um, have a whole life of good and bad, mm-hmm. like a full bag of things that they're holding and experiencing when the NPE or like the half sibling shows up with expectations or with questions or, you know, with all sorts of things. It's so important to remember that like you have a light, not a, yes, you have a life too. You have a life, but I more about like, not so much about like your schedule, but like your own sort of heart and soul and mind and and relationship to fa- to the word family and what that mm-hmm. means and and I think that gets lost a lot that's that is an excellent point um two two things have come to mind one is you know the for the initial meeting of half brother um you know here he is he and his wife are driving up to this this massive house I did not grow up in this house but this is where, you know, my, my father and stepmother lived for their, you know, for 10 years or so. Um, it's a, it's a, just, in, just completely ostentatious, huge house. So here, this, this kid, you know, he's coming up and he's seeing this and every family has those shorthand stories that you can tell of like, you know, my dad was a fantastic long con practical joker. So we, you know, I have at least a top five stories that I can regale anybody with, with my dad. And I love to tell them because they're fantastic. So we're regaling with all these stories and, you know, about the trips we took and everything. And I wanted to fall through the floor. I was like, this is not a way to welcome somebody into our family because it just, to me, it just reeked of look at everything you did not have. And that's horrible. And that's not my intention to get to know him or his, you know, his family. And um, my stepmother, to her credit, fully embraced him from minute one. And still has, they are um, very much in touch, which I think is fantastic. And, and I know that probably a lot of her grief is circled in looking at him and seeing a reflection of her husband. And, and so maybe that's where a lot of the, the drive to tell the stories and everything comes from. And, and my sister has the sensitivity to it too, of like, let's not paint this, this insensitive picture of this, like, you know, we were living the high life all the time. And um, yeah, we wanted for nothing. However, um, there's a, there's still the man behind the curtain. There's still <laughs> challenges to be dealt with. And, and, but to go back to how families defined, that was the primary thing that really struck me about when the half sister came forward of she's very, you know, family's very important to me. Family is very important to me. I'm like, sure. It's very important to me too. But again, like, please, let's take a step back and absorb this. And I need you to, you know, to take some time to, to figure out what this means for you. I can't define it for you. That's a lot of pressure on you. It, it, it really, really felt like it. Like <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. No, there were, um, my address was found online. And so flowers were showing up on my door. 
and if you actually know me, you should know, like always send me a plant. <laughs> <laughs> don't send me, don't send me funeral lilies. Like I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, mm-hmm. and when I, I did ask for space, um, and, and she bucked it a lot, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, people don't like boundaries. Um, and, and that, and family kept, kept coming back to like being thrown at me and my, and my sister too. As my dad was, was dying, the, um, it, it was, this was, it was super hard for me the last year because he didn't have anybody or anything. And we had had this, you know, he's a very, you know, profound influence on me. I love the man. He, he, you know, uh, taught me a lot of things artistically, gave me confidence, all these things, but he was never there. Mm-hmm. And he was always, you know, he was in Germany, he was in foot wherever it was, but it was somewhere where I wasn't. And then he never, and then as an adult, you know, we kind of like, he, he was an arm arm's length relationship. And then suddenly I had to carry the water mm-hmm. as he was dying. I had to figure out how to get him on, you know, Medicaid, just the basic stuff. So he didn't die on the streets, you know? Right. And, um, and I did all that, but I, I was incredibly angry through that time. And what was interesting to this point of the expectation of family is that uh, the cousin, cousin Stacy, who was so like, just wanted to piece this family together, you know, was on this DNA mission. And now that she had found it and knew who Ron Johnson was, I had a couple conversations with her and she was like, you need to let all that go and just love him. And, and, you know, like, you know, make his, make this time, you know, nice for him or, or something, you know, like I owed him that or something. And I was like, you have no effing idea, <laughs> you know, and don't tell me like it, it, that caused the problem. I, I, everything with my siblings has been great, but she really wanted this sense of, you know, trying to build back this family that she never had that was destroyed, you know, that never existed. Correct. Never it wasn't existed. just that it wasn't that she didn't. I mean, yes, she didn't nobody have it, it, but yeah, nobody had it <laughs> yeah. there. She that's sort of like a focus on a fantasy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also. Like I, I talk about this all the time and I'm, I'm so sorry that it's so repetitive for people, but I'm always, I'm so interested in language and like maybe family, when we say you don't believe in family, you must not believe in family or like your family, or you just need to love family. Like the word family and the concept of family, like we need more words for that because there's all this new, <laughs> there's all this nuance about what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have no language for, for expressing that we're processing it. We only have the word family. We kind of, we sort of have in-laws maybe like, like there's, there's no words around it, you know, like we don't, we need to have something else that expresses the nuance, expresses all the differences and all the struggles. Like there's just not enough mm-hmm. to express all the struggles. And um, I think that's, those are good examples. Very good examples of that. Um, question for you, Cully. Do you wish that your mom had told you about this sister your whole life? Gosh. Or what would have been different or what? I don't. Did she have an explanation for that? <laughs> no. If you asked, I don't even know if you even asked her. I, I did. I was like, mom, what the F? <laughs> her explanation was kind of like, I don't know, son. I mean, it was the time, you know? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I didn't know what good it would do or, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I believe that. And I also, I don't know that anything would have been different. I don't know that I would have reached out to contact my sister earlier or that we would Mm -hmm. have 
mm-hmm. been able to form any kind of relationship. I mean, one of the nice things now we're finding like amongst us four si- siblings uh, with our cozy siblingness is uh, one thing that I'm hyper conscious of is like, we probably wouldn't be able to have, like it, it's, we're lucky that we all kind of are the same kind of people. We align politically and spiritually and those kind of things. Um, but I don't know that we would have been able to have the relationship that we're able to kind of foster and build now had we been, you know, grown up at each other's throats or whatever, you know? Totally. I think about that all the time. Yeah. About where people are in their lives matters. Um, We don't have control over it at all, but it it matters. That's the hard thing of seeing half brothers like you know you could see the wheel like the, the magic of want of like oh if i don't you know if i'd only been a part and i'm like mm, i think it'd be really hard to actually be my father's son mm-hmm. um, there'd be a lot of pressure there that i absorb like in terms of sports and achievement and everything but like i can imagine you know the once i grew breasts that was it you know we right. weren't playing sports anymore but like <laughs> i think for to be a son would be it wouldn't be this dreamy experience per se. I think mm-hmm. it would be hard. Um, wouldn't, all but, just, wouldn't just be big houses and practical jokes all the time. Right. And right. so that, but, but you can't tell, you know, yeah, you can't. that's not, that's not worth a conversation. So. I had a, a, a little bit of, of, I'll just, uh, well, it was a bigger conversation, but I'll tell a little bit of it, of a, of a conversation with one of my half sisters. So she said, we don't know what you know about him. And she expressed and the way she explained it, I can't remember the exact word she used, but she was like, I, I'm afraid that if you didn't know that he was kind of a bad guy or like that, there was all these faults, all this dark side of him that you would then be shot. I would be the deliverer of this like really bad news. And that would be really hard. And I don't want to, she said, she didn't want to carry that. And then she said, but, but if you do know, that's really uncomfortable for me too, because now I don't know what you are wondering and what do you want to ask? And what do you, what is my role for you? Like in that. And it was just really interesting. Um, I didn't mean to be dismissive of her perspective, but I just had not considered that, that like she was coming with her own concerns about, about who he was and what I knew and what that meant for me. She was worried about me the most, but, um, I felt like she was she was expressing that she was feeling a lot of pressure um, about what to say, <laughs> what to say and what not to say. And um, luckily, a lot of the information is public. So uh, we we hung out there. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, that's so interesting. Um, do 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 you know between the two of you are you're, you're all of these half siblings that did not grow up with your dad? Do you feel like the vibe in general is that they wish that they had? Did they have father figures at all or? Uh, on my, on my end, uh, I know, uh, but I don't think either of them have any kind of woulda, coulda mm-hmm. wishing, you know, that they had, um, grown up with my dad, my, my, my brother, uh, had his stepdad. Um, they had a, I think, a difficult but close relationship uh and like i said he didn't even he didn't have any interest in even finding out who his biological father was um my sister was i think as she she's expressed that she's always been very curious to know who he is uh but was never interested in 
uh, in having a relationship or finding him or, you know, wishing mm -hmm. that she, wishing that he could have, they could have had a relationship. Meryl, do you know? Um, I, I would venture a yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I th think there, there's some wishful, um, the half sister situation doesn't sound like it was the most positive, mm -hmm. um, in terms of her, her father figure, um, half brother, his stepfather really played a very significant role in his life and it was very stable and loving, but I think he felt out of place for a really long time. And I think the, even just when he finally became curious about our dad and when he looked, he looked him up and just the photo, like just even seeing a photo of him just clicked. Um, so I think, yeah, the desire would definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, I just, first to me, there's just like, no, there's no winning. There's just no way that this is ever, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Fill in the blank, but one wonder there's no, there's just no part. There's just, what the word is like it's just there's just no winning there's that's all i can keep saying over and over again there's just no winning um everybody misses something and wishes for something and could have something and, and i think if any, i feel like like i kind of wish that they knew him because i feel like i feel like now going forward like like and, and in in our relationship like I'm the one with the knowledge, you know, and in a way that's like kind of weird because we all that's have this thing. connection based around mm -hmm. this person that I know. Right. Uh, so my half sister that I know that I even that I grew up with, she she never really knew and she didn't have the relationship that I did, she never lived, you know, lived with him or and then they tried to kind of piece something together at various times in their life, but what never really had a relationship. So I'm the only one. And so we're, we, we're talking about our connection and this person that we're all connected through, um, and it's abstract to them. Right. And it's not, yeah. a, it's not abstract to me. So that's, that's kind of a weird, that, that's hard for me to carry in through this relationship. I think that's important. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. No. And really, really well put call. Um, I think, you know, it was a twofold of, of, in his decline of, I'm already, you know, I was already dealing with his dementia. So I'm already set up to be the keeper of the memories and the keeper of uh, the person who who's in the shell. So now it's like, I'm even more protective of him in some way of who this person is and was, you know, for, I mean, like Colleen, Colleen and I come back to this of like reconciling how you love a fragile bull who, mm. you know, and, and who was incredibly flawed, but one of the greatest people you'll ever, you know, like would help anybody would do anything. Like, how do you reconcile this? And I feel like a lot of that is holding on to the memory and it's, and it's, if sharing these things, it, I lose a piece in some way mm -hmm. um, because I don't know if they can, if, if you can actually get it without really seeing and knowing the person. I don't know. I've been also like joking that Colleen and I should take ayahuasca to like, <laughs> So, you know, see our fathers to get some answers. Let's please do that on the podcast. <laughs> please, please let me record that. I mean, you want ratings, Eve. We'll get I you. want ratings. That's what's important. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today just to talk about the, just what it, I think it's, I, I, it's so important to talk about every angle and I think there are still angles that we haven't thought of um, when it comes to who is being affected 
mm-hmm. and how it affects them and what their own journey is like. Um, so, so yeah, like I just, just, this was just awesome. I, I, I'm like wondering if I have questions and maybe some will come up later, but like right now it was like, you both like presented these great, uh, like sort of mini story, mini episodes or something. And, of- and here's, here's a fun fact too, mm-hmm. uh, out of the four, uh, siblings that have come out of, uh, this, uh, DNA wonder, uh, neither Meryl and I, or I have taken a test yet. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that you can't see what I'm seeing when I'm with these guests, uh, because that's the nature of a podcast, but it was so fun to be with Meryl and Coley, albeit on Zoom, uh, because you can see and like feel this 20-year friendship between them. I hope you could hear it too, as much as I could feel it. And, you know, take it into their account, their experience as siblings trying to navigate their own thoughts and emotions through an MPE event. Like, I felt like I had a lot to think about after talking with them. Uh, I hope you did too. I also hope you are able to have a nice time this weekend, whatever that means for you. If it's a rowdy barbecue or a round of golf uh, or nothing related to Father's or Father's Day or fatherhood or whatever. It's a, you know, dads, stupid. It's totally up to you. It's still a free country. I will see you next week or I won't. I won't see you, but you'll hear me and I'll be around. You can always reach out to me using the socials. I'm at Everything's Relative Podcast, and you can email me, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com if you have a complaint, a compliment, if you'd like to share your story, if you have a question, I'm here. Uh, You can support me in all sorts of ways, which is extremely helpful to those of us over here in the production department. At the very least, I hope that you can share this podcast with a friend. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being a part of my community. Please take care of yourself. Drinks lots of water. And if you need to, know that it's okay to cry. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Yeah.